This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. The players are disappointed in the dressing room for sure, but across the week they've done tremendously well. Two very tough away games. I think the level of performance has been good. Tonight was a very difficult test. Early part of the game was hard to get a grip. Poland have understandably there. This was a massive game for them. Um, we then settled, I thought we used the ball well without creating any clear-cut chances first half. And second half we totally controlled. I thought we were really mature with our display. Again, if there are two disappointments really. One is to concede as we did. And the other is that we probably didn't create as many clear-cut chances with that amount of possession as we'd have liked. We were totally in control, really. And, um, yeah, it, it maybe it's not a bad thing for us to see that we're not infallible and um, you've got to see games through right, right to the end. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. Gareth Southgate speaking after England's 1-1 draw uh, in the World Cup qualifiers with Poland. In midweek, it's Ross here on the ball on a Friday evening celebrating the return of the Premier League. But first, (laughs) we sorry, going a little bit stir crazy, still, still working from home, you understand. Um, but yeah, first, let me introduce the guys who will help me talk football for an hour. Bob Holmes is here. Hello, Bob. Hi, good to have club football back, isn't it? Oh, here, 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 here. Craig Marias is also here. Hello, Craig. Hello. Looking forward to the return of Cristiano Ronaldo this weekend. Certain um, big but... debut going down this weekend <laughs> at Old Trafford. I'm sure Des is looking forward as much, aren't you, Des Corkill? Yeah, I'm also looking to try to pick the bones out of what went on in world football. Argentina versus Brazil. Uh, a coup in Guinea. Uh, international versus club football faces some real crises, you know. Indeed. Yes, he set us up nicely, hasn't he? Um, listen, if you want to get in touch, follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. We've got all kinds of tips. In fact, we've got um, fantasy football tips for game week four on our BFM Football Facebook page. Also, before I get into the show, uh, Amoy Lyles of Lemoy Lemons League. You are the August Manager of the Month winner of our BFM League with my-soccer.com. You need to DM us your details so that we can send you your prize. All right. Kick off the show with the prize. Stylish or what? <laughs> England, uh, Poland won. England won. Uh, points dropped for England. England were on, what, eight wins out of eight, Bob. But it's not going to harm them much because there's still four points clear of the second place team. But the draw does Poland. Uh, a lot of good in their fight for a playoff spot. Uh, yes, they were ecstatic, weren't they, uh, at the end? And England dropped to the floor. Anybody would think uh, the World Cup had been decided. But uh, that's good. They're taking it seriously. Uh, England were gutted because they had uh, another win snatched from their grasp at the, at the last minute. And uh, they thought they'd done enough. And Poland uh, obviously got a lifeline. So that explains the reactions, perhaps a little exaggerated, given the the table. England are more or less through. I mean, they've got a very easy run of games now. Uh, Hungary is the most difficult. That's at home. Uh, You've got Andorra, uh, San Marino and Albania. Uh, I don't think they're going to keep anybody uh, awake at night, are they? So 
England were there anyway, virtually, but they wanted to keep a clean sheet. And uh, Harry Kane is slowly but surely catching up with Wayne Rooney for the England scoring record. He's now on to 40. Um, I, I, I mean, it wasn't too bad a performance by England. It was just that it was kind of spoilt at the end. But they did OK. Um, I mean, they are a fairly solid side now. We have to get used to this. But Gareth Southgate came in for a lot of criticism by not substituting um well didn't substitute anybody did he and i think that i think although people are talking with the benefit of hindsight i think a lot of people were saying it at the time when he got to about the 70th minute and still no subs paulo souza the polish manager changed five outfield players so you've got at the end you had a 50 percent change in the polish lineup compared to England's, went with zero. So you have to think that fresh legs could have been a factor in the end. Uh, but again, you know, it doesn't really matter from England's point of view. And it's probably not a bad thing. They can't keep winning like this. I think they might get a little complacent. So uh, a bit of a harsh reminder that uh, it's, it's not all over yet. All right. Uh, in Group F, Scotland, um, merrily going along very nicely. Um, Ock, I, Cobber, Craig, uh, <laughs> Lyndon Dykes, um, the, the Aussie turned Scotsman. Actually, he's, he's, he is Scottish. He's, his parents are Scottish, I understand. So yeah. he's got two and two now. And Scotland won one nil away at Austria. I mean, they, they have no chance of catching Denmark in, in, the, in Group F, but their playoff hopes are, are ignited with that win. They go above Israel. Yeah, it's a massive win for Scotland. Uh, and I think this is this is an upset. Um, you know, a lot has been made of the Scottish side um, over the last few years and, you know, they haven't had great results. But they've always had a decent team. I mean, if you look, you know, in terms of player for player, um, you know, it's, it's a solid side. They should definitely be doing much better. And I think we've highlighted this on the show before. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a big upset, and uh, yeah, Lyndon Dykes from the spot, um, securing the, the three crucial points. And yeah, I, I mean, Denmark have got a, a big lead now, and you can't see them, you know, exactly. giving that up. But um, it, it's all to play for for the playoffs, and um, I think Scotland have put themselves in a very, very good position. And like I said, you know, I mean, this, this squad should be doing a lot better, um, than they are, and, and I'm talking from a results point of view. Um, I, I think when you have players, I mean, some of them are playing for top clubs, you know, you, you have to look at that and, and remember it. And yeah, I think, you know, with, with the addition of Che Adams boost that, that kind of forward line a little bit. I mean, he's not prolific by any stretch of the imagination, but it gives them a little bit of, of, of quality in those areas. And um, it's good to see. It's good to see the Scots um, kind of, you know, gelling together in some sort of way and, and getting some points on the board. And uh yeah, like I said, you know, very, very important three points for them. And and I think this is one of the upsets of the week. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, they need to get McFred into that midfield, Scotland. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, they were missing some players as well. Yeah, Let's not were. forget, you know, yeah. they, they were missing McTominay and everything. But yeah, I, it was a good performance by them. A credit really to good. how well Steve Clark's been doing recently. But can I just say, Ross, I mean, it helps as well when you don't play Andy Robinson at right back. I mean, you know, it does help the team a little bit. True. 
Um, all right. Well, uh, Den- Denmark, whilst Denmark's running away with uh, Group F, uh, Belgium are pretty much doing the same in Group E. Wales, though, trying to keep on their coattails. They messed up at home, Des Corkill. They drew nil-nil with a side ranked 110th in the world. Wales nil, Estonia nil. Um, I watched the highlights. Estonia came closest to scoring in that first 45 minutes. They did. That did um, a wasted opportunity for Wales because um, they'd done so well that late uh, 3-2 victory over Belarus. Uh, Gareth Bale poking one in in the, in the last minute. That had set them up nicely. They're, they're still in with a, a, a good chance of second place, but this would have put them clear of Czech Republic in second place. And uh, that game coming up in October, I think it is, Czech Republic versus Wales could well be the decider. But you look at that Welsh team, gosh, they are overachieving massively. For them to be consistently in that top level, yeah, they've got Gareth Bale, but Tyler Roberts was the guy alongside him. And uh, Dan James was, was given a, a chance. So up front, not, not looking too bad. But Joe Morell is a fixture in the, um, in the centre of midfield. Uh, Chris Gunter keeps on churning out those, cap, uh, those caps. Well done, Chrissy boy. So pleased How old is him. Chris Gunter uh, now? Uh, he's not that old, actually. It's just, uh, <laughs> 32, 32, 33? Yeah, 32, 33. And he's got 100, 100 plus caps. But he's, Four he's more years at guy. least. Um, so, so what they're doing there, uh, Paige, is, is um, he's managing his resources yeah. well, um, not not promising um, t- t- too much. Maybe frustrated that they haven't got past Estonia. Bale was denied by the post and a wonderful save. It's got to be said. So it could have been better. But it's now effectively down to Czech Republic away in October. Then they've got Estonia and Belarus before ending up with with Belgium game. The Czech Republic yeah. away becomes a, a must-not-lose game. What what uh, Robert Page is doing with Wales, Stephen Kenny is failing to do with the Republic of Ireland. They are still winless in five World Cup qualifiers. They drew 1-1 with Serbia on the surface, Bob. That's actually a good result. But this is a very poor Republic side, isn't it? Uh, it is. Uh, yeah, it's probably the weakest for a long time, ever since... Uh, Jack Charlton started to discover uh, grandfathers of Irish descent <laughs> and uh, certainly boosting the, um, the number of different accents around the British Isles in the dressing room. Um, but, uh, I mean, that, that's all. It was all legal. I mean, it, it, it uh, was approved by FIFA, so it's OK. But there seems to be a dearth of those now. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the cupboard is bare. I'm sure it's been uh, searched. But uh, no, he's had a bit of bad luck. Um, I thought in the last game, um, they were actually quite good. Um, and they seem to be playing together a bit better. Um, they've got a, an interesting young uh, goalkeeper, uh, a Lazuba. Yeah, um, he's, a, he's actually born in Ireland, you know. Uh, some people might be surprised to uh, hear that. But um, yeah, it, it always helps if you've got a decent keeper and he's a young lad, so they could have him for, well, a decade or so. So that's a, that's a big From plus. City as well, isn't he? Yeah, that's right. Um, so, uh, 
It's not all bad. It's, it's a phase that countries go through. When you've only got a population of about 5 million, um, you, you're bound to have this problem. You can't keep finding great players. And they've done remarkably well to, to have achieved what they have in the past. Mm. So this is unfortunately a, a, a bit of a downward, um, on a downward spiral at the moment. They don't, uh, they've got no chance of qualifying um, this time but anyway looking to the future uh, the world cup may be coming around every two years so uh, all may not be lost <laughs> Boo. all right on to group b where spain have uh, regained some sort of control they, they're still if sweden win their games in hand spain could be in, in trouble but in midweek uh, sweden lost 2-1 in greece and spain went to kosovo 1-2-0 so luis enriquez is well, he's got a talented Spanish side, Des. I mean, Spain's problem's always been finding uh, a striker, and Alvaro Morata just is he's hot and cold, isn't he? Uh, yeah, but you, you look at that side, and um, they're, they're kind of rebuilding. I, I had to look, look, look down it and go, whoa, how many of them played in the, in the Euros, in that Euros uh, semis? And there were six or seven who, who weren't. Fornals came, came in and scored. Um, so they've got that kind of strength in depth. A little bit like Italy, who you'll speak a, 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 a while, um, about in a while. They're, they're regenerating onto, onto the next team. So I think uh, Spain are looking fairly good. They still need that out-and-out goal scorer, mm. that Ronaldo yeah. kind of player, uh, to, to really, I think, make them uh, top, top dogs. But gosh, you just look at the, 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 the players that they've got in, re, in reserve. Koke coming in in the centre of midfield. Uh, Thiago doesn't even get a look in these days. Defensively, they're strong. Um, they're Ramos, it's like Ramos never existed because they can uh, bring in all, all kinds of new players. So I think there's a, a terrific squad there at Spain. And that, what they did, so when did they become good? They, they became good, what, 12, 15 years ago? What they have done, they have... They develop not only a one-generation set of players, but a second and a third, and it looks like a fourth generation coming through. There's lots the world can learn about Spanish football. Lots. Yeah. Uh, all right. On to European champions, Italy in Group C, where Switzerland really slipped up in Group C this weekend or this midweek because they drew nil-nil. Uh, away at Northern Ireland, whilst Italy thrashed Lithuania 5 0 uh, A new look Italy, Craig Marias, with Moise Keane leading yeah. the way. Yeah, Everton reject Moise Keane. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, and you talked about this, uh, the depth in that squad, and, and that was plain for everyone to see. You know, I mean, it's it's good that they can they can call on these talented youngsters and. I think with Moise Keane, I mean, yeah, he did quite cut it in the Premier League. Um, but he did all right when he went on loan to PSG last season. Uh, he's gone back to Juve now and, and hopefully that move can kind of rebuild his confidence because he is a talented player and there was a lot of hype about him when he came uh, to the Premier League. Um, but but it, like I said, you know, uh, it's, you know, when you have the likes of Bernadeschi, you know, coming in and and I don't know too much about Ras, Raspadori uh, but he got a goal and um, so, so another another player there that's you know knocking on the door uh, for Mancini another talented player there um, and, and they're churning them out you know Italy are on a bit of a wave um, right now not only in football it has to be said um, just in sport in general you know they're doing uh, very well but 
they, they've got this group sewn up really. Uh, I think it's a six point lead from Switzerland after after the Swiss drop points. So uh, comfortable, too comfortable for for Italy that they can kind of you know rotate their squad around and and give chances to new players coming into the squad. Um, perfect, you know, and I think this will suit Mancini, you know, with the World Cup next year. Give him a chance to look at his options, see how they fare at, at international level. Um, and yeah, it, it was just, you know, from an Italian point of view, they needed the win. They got the three points in, in, in real command of the group right now. Yeah, total hand action. Bene, bene. <laughs> <laughs> it's 37 games unbeaten now for the Azzurri uh, and Mancini. An amazing run. All right, in Group J, Germany made it three wins in a row. They beat Iceland. 4-0, Leroy Sané, who I understand Chelsea are interested in, uh, made one and, and scored one. That's Premier League football in a very small nutshell because we're talking, did I say Premier League? That's international yeah. football in a very small nutshell because we're talking Premier League. Next, see, no edits. This is live-ish. <laughs> no mistake. Everton pick up where they left off last weekend. On the ball on BFM 89.9. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. And we are back. Des Corkill, Bob Holmes and Craig Marias all excited because it's match day four in the brand new Premier League season. It's slowly coming. There's so many things to, to look forward to. Obviously, with, with Craig and myself being Man United fans, Ronaldo, CR7, is massive news this weekend. But there are some very interesting signings that are possibly going to be in action as well. I'm referring to Edward, uh, who, uh, what's, what's his surname? Uh, Odson. Odson no, Edward. Edward, that's it. From Edward's Celtic. his surname. Yeah. Odson. <laughs> 41 goals in two seasons he scored for Celtic. And no, no big club was, was sniffing around. We'll find out if Palace this weekend have made a good buy or a dud. Crystal Palace in 14th take on Tottenham Hotspur. Top of the table. It's the early kickoff on Saturday, 7.30 p.m., this, funnily enough, Bob, I spoke to a Palace friend of mine back in the UK, and he's actually, he's quite enthusiastic about the whole Patrick Vieira. Um, he said he went to, to the last home game. It was rocking. The, the crowd are all behind Vieira. They, they feel good things with Patrick Vieira. Yeah, um, well, they should do, uh, because he's been back to the hilt in the transfer market. Uh, Crystal Palace are one of the biggest spenders, £73 million they spent. Um, they've changed the team completely. I know we talked about them being possible relegation candidates on this show a couple of weeks ago, but now they've, they've replenished the squad as it were. And I think they've done it quite well. They've taken a bit of a punt on uh, Edouard. Um, I think the reason people don't um, have doubts anyway about guys who bang them in in the Scottish Premier League is because the standard isn't that great. But, I mean, you, cannot, you can't argue with that number of goals. And strikers tend to score. I mean, if, if you're a natural striker, you'll score more or less at any level until you, until you find your, your level is just too much. So I think he's got a, a fighting chance of banging in a few, actually. 
and they bought very sensibly. But the I think the outstanding acquisition is actually the loan loanee from Chelsea, Connor Gallagher. Yeah, we saw yeah. glimpses of it. Yeah, he's in the England under under twenty ones, and he looks the business. This guy, so. Um, They've they've done well, I think. And Patrick Vieira, I mean, he talks a good game. He's created a good first impression, I think. So Spurs, I hope Spurs fans, all those Spurs fans who uh, took photocopies of the league table and had them framed, I hope they've finished the job because things may change now. Arsenal may creep up the table and Spurs may slip. I, I, I'm, I'm sensing a big bit of a big call coming from Bob Holmes here. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I reckon Palace could, could get a point here. I, I really do. All right. Um, well, the, the Eagles will be without Eberichi Eze. Uh, Nathan Ferguson's out. Michael Olise is yet to feature for them. Uh, but Luka Milivojevic uh, is in the squad, although his fitness is a concern. So that'll be interesting for Tottenham. Well, they're going to be without their Argentina stars, Christian Romero and Gio Lo Celso, because we know what happened to them. Literally hauled off the pitch <laughs> in Brazil. We spoke about that on, on, on Monday. It was, it was absurd and, and all that. But Tottenham paid the price. They're going to be without two of their stars this weekend. Um, they are top of the table, Des Corkill. Um, North London ruling the roost. And they've done it in a very sensible manner. I, I remember three one nils. Three one nils. All the talk preseason was Tottenham in crisis. Harry Kane's leaving. Uh, woe, uh, woe is me. New coach um, coming in. And what, 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 the, what the, the coach has done is he's just steadied the ship. He plays uh, the right players, in, including Dyer, um, Dyer at the back. Um, he's playing the right players in the right place. He's um, supporting using Mora, who I always thought was a, a terrific player in a support position. Uh, Harry Kane is now back scoring goals both for England and for Tottenham. And they've just quietly gone about their, 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 their job. Forget all the histrionics. Football is fundamentally a team game. And if all the cogs are working, things will come through for you. And what Tottenham have shown is you just get all the cogs working. You get players playing in the right positions at the right times. You can get results. And um, um, I, I, I've just got to say, if, if Tottenham don't get at least a point or get a win, I'd be amazed because uh, I'm not quite sure which Palace Bob is talking about. Is it the one that hasn't um, hasn't won a game in four, who's only scored two goals all game, um, all, all season? Uh, I, I don't understand the optimism about Palace at the moment. Yeah, bright new things, but no results to show for it. Whereas Tottenham, uh, it's all uh, depression before the season and they're three wins out of three. Uh, give, give me that Tottenham performance with a little bit more panache, please. Forgive me that <laughs> every time. Eagles fans, you can write to Des Corkill directly. All right. Palace have got <laughs> Liverpool and Brighton as their next. Uh, sorry, Liverpool and Brighton as their next two. So four London derbies followed by Liverpool away, and then the big derby against Brighton. Tough. Well, Palace with their fourth consecutive London derby are, are set to become the first side to start a top five flight campaign with four derbies. Tough. I mean, London clubs just every other week that there's a derby. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, it'd be interesting. It'll be interesting. Della Ali has a new lease of life in, in that Tottenham midfield and, and, and also a new hairstyle. Um, yeah, my son and I are, are, are 50-50 on the hairstyle, but it's your early kickoff on Saturday. So it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm leaning with Bob 
you know, towards a bit of an upset here. 7.30pm, Crystal Palace against Tottenham Hotspur. Right, basement battle. Next. (laughs) Six-pointer. The (laughs) six-pointer. The relegation (laughs) six-pointer. It's 20 playing 19. Arsenal, bottom of the pile, taking on Norwich City. Um, They're under fire, of course, Mikel Arteta and Arsenal. But Craig Marias, I mean, surely... Arsenal are, are, are going to be too good for Norwich. And, and what would happen, say, if Norwich win this weekend? Yeah, I mean, you talked about the pressure. I think uh, Arteta's highlighted that in his press conferences as well. Um, if they were to lose and, you know, not get a point on the board, I think it's, I think it's bye-bye Arteta, to be honest with you, because, um, you know, you had your excuses. It was a tough start. Um, you know, I, I think any club would, would kind of struggle... Uh, with, with the fixtures that they had. Uh, and it was understandable. You go away to City, get red card. You go two down with, what, 10 minutes or whatever it was, 15 minutes, get red card thereafter, and you're in for a long night. Um, but now, I mean, this is where the excuses stop. I mean, let's not forget, you know, in those three games, he's never really had a full squad either, um, to give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, and, and you know, with any club as well, maybe a couple, maybe City and Chelsea apart, you know, if you if you don't have your key players there, uh, you're going to struggle. Um, yeah, you can look at the Brentford one and say, yeah, well, we should have done better. Maybe so. But I think everyone going into that match knew it was going to be uh, a tough game. Uh, you knew Brentford were going to really bring it. And, um, you know, with the first uh, game in the Premier League, uh, it was always going to be tough. But um, I think these, this is where the excuses stop for Arteta and Arsenal. Um, it's a, it, it's not going to be easy because Norwich will know that they're there for the taking. And, um, uh, you know, I, I hate to say it, four games in, I hate to say it, but if they don't win, um, I could see I could see the board just making a decision straight away. Um, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they're already looking at alternatives out there. Just, like, just like to be safe. Like who? Like who? Like who? Um, Eddie Howe's there. I mean, he's been linked with the job before. Um, Graham Potter. Um, nah, I, I don't think they'll go. They'll, they'll look for someone that's that's available and ready straight away. Uh, I, I don't know who else. Off the top of my head, you got, got me on the spot there. But if, if you're bored and, and the results have gone the way it has right now, um, you'd be daft not to be looking uh, for alternatives uh, yeah. just to be safe. I'm not saying making offers right then, but having discussions about the possibilities uh, of taking over. Should should be no excuse for Mikel Arteta because Gabriel's available. Ben White, Thomas Party, Eddie Nketiah, all in contention. El Nenny is out. Smith Rowe is ill. Granit Xhaka is suspended. Takahiro Tomiyasu is expected to take over from Cedric in the right back position because they don't really fancy Cedric. Well, actually, nobody does really. Um, for, for Norwich. Um, it's a free hit, Bob, for Norwich City. I mean, Timu Puki can still put them away if you give him a chance. I mean, you, you know, you, you could you could really pile the pressure on Mikel Arteta here, Daniel Farker's side. Uh, yes, but uh, free hit when you're bottom of the league? Um, not, not quite, is it? Um, I mean, uh, they... I'm surprised that they've uh, started so badly, actually. I think they, they've had a tough start, though, haven't they? I, yeah. I thought that they would do better. They, um, they won the championship uh, convincingly. They seem to have learned their lesson 
from their previous uh, experience in the in the Premier League, stuck with their manager, and uh, they just got hit by the fixture list. Really, uh, three very difficult uh, opening games, and and this is this is the fourth. I mean, away away at Arsenal. Um, on paper, it sounds like a tough a tough game, doesn't it? But um, knowing uh, the way Arsenal have played, I mean, it, it isn't. So uh, I th- I think they might even survive. You know, um, I'm not saying they're going to win this game, but it's it's early days, and uh, they're an organised team, and I think they've got a decent manager. So I I have a feeling that they could. They could maybe get a draw here My and goodness. start to start to turn their season around. I wouldn't write them off yet anyway. Put it like that. No way. Two matches previewed and, and two potential big shouts coming out the mouth there of, of Sir Bob Holmes. Can you, Adam and Eve, it? <laughs> um, for, uh, yeah, what else? Uh, Norwich team news. Kenny McLean is a doubt. He was sent home from Scotland duty after picking up an injury. Bali Mumba, Josh Sargent and Christos Zolis could all come back into contention. It is a 10pm kickoff. Arsenal against Norwich City is the basement battle. It's Temo Puki. He sends Michael the wrong way. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Now, storm into a position which may very well be impregnable. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, Des Corkill, uh, Bob Holmes and Craig Marias joining me this Friday evening to welcome back Premier League action. Follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. And uh, eight, one, one, another call for our August Manager of the Month in our BFM Fantasy League with my-soccer.com. Amoy Lyles of Lemoy Lemons League. Please get in touch because uh, otherwise I'll, I'll nab your August prize. All right then, on with the previews. Leicester City in ninth take on Manchester City. Uh, it's in seventh. It's a 10 p.m. kickoff. Uh, Man City have got a few problems. Their Brazilian contingent, Des, unavailable to them. So I understand Scott Carson may may play in goal <laughs> for them. But I mean, apart from that, I'm reading that Kevin De Bruyne, Phil Foden returned to full training. So, you know, I actually fear for Leicester a little bit. Oh, Carson should be the first choice anyway. Gosh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I, I just want to digress a little bit in this club versus country route. It's always been a very delicate balance between should clubs release players for their country? Uh, you're worried about injuries. There's been some high profile injuries on international duties. And there's got to be give and take. All that's happening now is that if teams like Manchester City, like Aston Villa, who are going to lose Martinez and Buendia, and Liverpool, Liverpool massively. You take Fabinho, Firmino and Alisson out of your team. I'm sorry, Fred is is missing from that United midfield, all right? I I heard United wanted that ban for Fred to be extended. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but, but the club versus country thing now comes into real, real focus because there's got to be give and take. And what is happening there 
is through no fault of the club of their own. Yeah. They are being denied these players. So the FIFA ruling is at the moment, as we go to air, at the moment, the FIFA ruling is in place. And all the Brazilian players, because it was a red country, for whatever reason, be it political or whatever, because it's a red country, there's got to be that five-day... Um, uh, uh, Liverpool didn't send them. Quarantine um, so period. So they would have had to do quarantine. Yeah. But because they didn't send them, um, Brazil are asking for the five-day um, ban to be invoked for, for Liverpool not releasing. And, you, and also you, you, for the, the Manchester City. You players. get the feeling it's, this... it's mostly political. And, and yeah, we're, we're going to steer away from all that. Let's hope common sense will prevail at the end of the day. You're helping for too much there, my friend, because this really brings the club versus country thing into real sharp focus, yeah. massive focus. If Manchester City were to lose, if Villa were to lose, if Liverpool were to lose because of those reasons, gosh, you're talking millions of dollars of prize money. All right, let's try and keep to the football now with Leicester <laughs> against Man City. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to move to you now, uh, Craig. Uh, Leicester City, they, they've well, they've been up and down. They, they've had two good wins, sandwiched by an absolute tonking by West Ham. So it's a bit weird that we, we, we said before, they're still very much Jamie Vardy powered, aren't they, Leicester City? Yeah, they are. Um, you know, they've, they, they've invested... Uh, in a few plays over the summer to, to kind of strengthen that squad. But they find themselves relying uh, on a 34-year-old Jamie Vardy, I think he is. Um, but, I mean, he, he's just so good, isn't he? I mean, the, the finish in, I think it was the first game of the season, was just absolutely world-class. And he, he's still proving to be a big asset to, to Brendan Rodgers and Leicester, um, despite, you know, the, the form that Ian Acho showed, showed towards the end of last season. You know, he's still... Um, he's still able to prove that he's still the main man there. Um, it, it's, it's a weird start for Leicester because they've had a lot of injuries, especially at the back. Uh, Suyuncu hasn't really been in form, um, especially for Turkey over the international break. Jesus. Um, but, um, you know, injuries to Johnny Evans. Uh, you've got Amati playing there. You know, he's not really a, a seasoned centre-back. Um, they, they made a, you know, a last, last-minute signing. Not really a last-minute signing, but a late signing. Uh, towards the end and, and getting Vestergaard from, uh, from from Southampton. So, you know, th th there has been a bit of chop and change at the back there. Luke Thomas playing a lot of games. And I don't think they've really stayed, you know, really stable at the back. So so that's proving to be a bit of a problem there. Uh, and when you go further upfield, you know, Harvey Barnes, you know, fantastic player, uh, had a big injury last season. And, you know, he's, he's kind of kind of recapturing his form. He's, he's great. You know, he's quick, he's direct and he's everything you want in a, in an attacking player. Uh, but it just hasn't, you know, got that little bit where he's, he's, he's scoring goals or getting assists right now. And James Madison, you know, he's been a bit of a disappointment over the last uh, 12 months. You know, a lot was expected of him and he's, he's another one who hasn't quite hit the heights of two seasons ago. So there are a few things within that Leicester setup that haven't really clicked together. Um, uh, for me, you know, because, you know, we expect a lot, you know, Leicester have proven themselves over the the, the last few years and um, we expect them to be in, you know, the top six or, or battling for those positions as they have done. Um, so, you know, the, with the start that they've had, it's been a bit mixed, um, uh, especially that West Ham game, you know, so um, they, they need to bounce back and and, and quick. Uh, it's not, it's not going to be easy because I, I don't think uh, a lot of their plays are still available. You know, there's still a lot of, uh, uh, plays that are missing. So once they get back to full full strength, I think you know you will be seeing a different Leicester. 
Yeah, uh, for City, the the depth is if if Gabriel Jesus is not available, he's the informed right hand side player. Um, Pep can just bring in Riyad Mahrez or Raheem Sterling. You know, <laughs> uh, that is uh, a 10 p.m. kickoff. Leicester in ninth against Man City in seventh. Uh, one of the, the games, I understand, that has uh, provoked chat in England about breaking the tradition of televising 3 p.m. kickoffs is Man United versus Newcastle because it's the second coming of Cristiano Ronaldo, Bob Holmes. Um, a lot's been made about his his signing, but I mean, from a financial point of view, United share price went up. I understand he sold, what, £62 million worth of shirts in 72 hours. So money aside, will it work? Will it drive United on to win things, you reckon? I don't think so. Um, I, I mean, I think it's going to work in terms... It's already worked, as you said. Um, I mean, it's, uh, it's heightened the interest in uh, United and around the world and, and all that. But whether he can turn them into title winners, either Premier League or Champions League, I don't think so. I mean, he's going to score. He's going to score a few goals, no question about that. But I think almost as interesting as uh, how he's going to play is how he's going to be handled by Solskjaer. Uh, we know Ronaldo has got a selfish streak in him we know he doesn't like to be taken off. Uh, we know he, he likes the ball to be passed to him in a certain way, at a certain tempo, with the laces, uh, you know, ready and all that. But is this going to work in a team? I mean, he got away with it because he was so brilliant. But now he's a slightly fading force. It could be that... It could get to the 70th minute, 75th minute. He's had his hands on his hips. He's not had enough passes. He's not done much at all. Solskjaer might want to bring somebody else on the field to replace him. Is he going to have a tantrum? Is Solskjaer uh, going to have the bottle to take him off? I mean, all that sort of thing should be sorted out beforehand. I mean, he's got to be treated just like everybody else. But whether he will accept that is another matter. I mean, if he gets off to a good start, yes, it probably, you know, there'll be a honeymoon period and all that. But I think over the long winter, somehow I, I can see potential flare-ups here. And uh, it may not work out all that well after the initial euphoria has died down. Whether he can make the difference and turn United into a championship winning team in either of those two competitions, I doubt very much because I think they need a midfield player. Well, he's been training with his new teammates since Tuesday. We'll come back to, to Man United in, in a bit. Des, I mean, I look at Steve Bruce and Newcastle United. I mean, pity. I mean, you feel so, so sad. He's a Newcastle fan. Last In the last home game, what? The fans started singing in the 22nd minute. We want Brucey out. <laughs> Uh, he's coming to this with a raft of possible injuries. Callum Wilson might not be available. Isaac Hayden is out. John Joe Shelby is out. Ryan Fraser is possibly out as well. I mean, poor old Brucey, eh? And he's got put up with all this CR7 nonsense. Ah, you're painting a glorious picture for these hard-bitten Newcastle fans, aren't you? I mean, it seems like it's all set up for the glorious re uh, homecoming of... Um, 
of Cristiano Ronaldo. Newcastle haven't shown enough to me defensively that they'd be able to cope with him. But what I have liked about Newcastle this year is they've been a little bit brighter. Uh, they're, they're two wing-backs. You play Matt Richards, a, a wing-back. He's not a full-back. He's somebody who likes to get forward. Murphy on the other side as well. So they play that three at the back, which can uh, be attacking if you have attack-minded uh, wing-backs. If you have defensive wing-backs like they had last year, then it's different. So I, I think Steve Bruce has trying to um, make uh, Newcastle United a more attractive Op um, op opponent this year hasn't worked so far and as you say the crowd aren't exactly with him but I hope he persists with that because it'd be great if Newcastle went to Old Trafford and had a go you know what I feel about teams going to have a go they can't sit back United have got too many big guns if Newcastle just sit back Ronaldo well, they... will be magnificent in the yeah. air I think he adds so much more to United as an accidental signing by Solskjaer I've no idea what um I've no idea if Solskjaer had any input in this whatsoever. <laughs> the the, the, the um, club have said, we can sign Ronaldo. He is making million, uh, he's making, going to make us millions of dollars. Solskjaer put him in the team. Now, if that happened in Malaysia, we would say, you can't have board interference like that. That is scandalous. That is shocking. Happens at Manchester United and suddenly everybody has got, oh, isn't this a great thing? I worry for Solskjaer. His, uh, his authority has been absolutely undermined. But speculating, this. I, I was just going to say, no, so, I was going to let him so finish and say, assumption said anything. Assumption. I, I, said, I, I don't believe, I have not seen any comments by Solskjaer pre, during, uh, I've, I've just heard one saying afterwards, oh yeah, it's great signing, isn't it? But, but Pep didn't say anything about Jack Grealish either. There's no doubt that Pep is in charge of Manchester City. No doubt. <laughs> there is a doubt. There is a doubt that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is in charge of Manchester United. This is a business decision. Actually, it's a great business decision, but it's a business decision. Yeah, Des, the, the real picture is Sir Alex is still in charge. Really. I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> um, uh, all, all right. Um, I, I just, as a United fan, I want to get Craig's point of view on, on this. I mean, Ronaldo coming back, he's the ultimate professional. It bodes well for your your what your Mason Greenwoods, your Hannibals, you know, your Facundos. All these youngsters are going to be looking up to this icon. I mean, that can only be a good thing, right? Yeah, definitely. I think he's he's going to bring a lot to the club um, and to those young players. Um, I think the big question is: Is he going to stunt um, their their development? Um, someone like okay, Hannibal doesn't really. Uh, feature uh, in the Man United setup so far in the first team, but you know Mason Greenwood, for example. Yeah. You know how does this affect him? You know he's, he started the season on fire, three goals in three matches. Um, the last game, yeah, you know he got drifted out wide, um, so it was a little bit different. But you know, essentially, I think in the long term, you know he's going to be playing as a centre forward. And uh, <clears throat> when he started the season in that centre forward role, I thought you know the, the development that he's made in the last 12 months, you know, was there for everyone to see. So um, with Ronaldo coming in and taking that spot, you know, it's very interesting to see if, if Mason gets shifted out wide yet again. And if he does, you know, don't forget, United splash big cash on, on Jaden Sancho, who plays in that position on the right. Uh, when Rashford comes back, he's expected to play on the left. So in a way, yes, I think his professionalism, the way he carries himself, what he does off the field, um, maybe in the gym and things like that will rub off on the younger players. Yeah. But, but in terms of game time, in terms of you know getting that match experience, I'm not sure um, how how this would work out. How this will work out for for Mason Greenwood. 
Also, yeah. Also, um, what concessions is Bruno going to be making? Free kicks, penalties? We will find out as the season plays out. I understand Sancho, McTominay and Alex Tellers all train this week. Uh, For Steve Bruce, Miguel Almiron may not be available because of the FIFA quarantine thingy. Uh, Man United against Newcastle United then is Saturday at 10pm. Mason Greenwood after another exquisite pop the pass. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Desperate for him to shoot. Oh! A beauty! A moment to remember for Trevor Chalabar. This is On the Ball on BFM 89.9. Back with Craig Marias, Bob Holmes and Des Corkill previewing match week four in the in the brand new EPL season. Chelsea, one of the preseason favourites, uh, only strengthened by the signing of Romelu Lukaku. Currently in fourth, take on Aston Villa. Chelsea strengthened, of course, in the transfer window. Sal Niguez came in. He had a chance to to train as well because he wasn't involved with Spain, Bob. Uh, big signing. I understand uh, Gravasnovka. What's her name? That, that Russian woman? Uh, Maria. 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 Yeah, she's been saying he's world-class and all that. So he may well have a start this weekend. But I mean, Chelsea... Yeah, Chelsea. Yeah, you don't need to say any more. <laughs> um, they, uh, yeah, they've they've started well. Uh, they look solid. Um, that's why they're favourites. They are the the uh, now the, the bookmakers' favourites for the title, uh, not City anymore. And this weekend, you could actually see uh, Chelsea uh, widening the gap a little bit. Um, it looks uh, a fairly comfortable. Um, home fixture against Aston Villa here and Aston Villa that will be without their regular keeper, um, Emmy Martinez. And, uh, that's, that's quite significant. Um, cause he's, he's been keeping them, uh, afloat, I think in one or two games, uh, you can't see anything other than a Chelsea home win routine win here. Uh, I think, um, that they've, they've bought very well and sensibly. I think, They've addressed their weaknesses. The only uh, gap is uh, the fourth choice centre-back. They tried to get Kawundi from Sevilla until they asked for a ridiculous amount. But they had already sold Kurt Zuma, which was a bit of a risky strategy, not being sure you're going to replace him. Um, So that's the only quibble about Chelsea's transfer um, policy this uh, in this window, but uh, unless they get a, a, a spate of uh, injuries like Liverpool did last year with all the centre backs getting injured at the same time, um, they should be all right. Uh, but um, and they've addressed their main uh, their main worry was uh, a striker up front to score the goals, and they've got you know one of the best in the world. Mm. So. Chelsea looking very, very formidable. Uh, can even afford to let a guy like um, Gilmore go and Conor Gallagher. I mean, you've got young players like that. Virtually any other Premier League team, even <laughs> apart from maybe City, uh, would be playing those guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chelsea have a luxury of being able to loan them out. Yeah. So that, that shows you how much depth they've got. So Seoul, yes, a lot of clubs were interested. United and Liverpool were sniffing around, but Chelsea got him. 
and uh, I think a, a, a very good a very good signing. He's um, he's going to see a lot of uh, action, I'm sure. So Chelsea for me in this game, I don't see any any real alternative to this. Apart from goalkeeper Amy Martinez, who's going to be missing for Villa, uh, their creative force is uh, uh, Buendia, their new signing, who actually scored a cracker before the international break. He's going to be missing as well, Des Corkill. This is going to be a, a spanner in, in the works <laughs> of uh, what, what Smith is doing at Villa. I mean, they, we, we've said before, they bought well, they're slowly building, but they don't want to get a walloping here, do they? Yeah, they, they are building. They had that shock 3-2 loss to Watford where they, they only turned up for 20 minutes and got spanked. Uh, they were arguably second best in the one-all draw with Brentford as well just before the break. So it's clearly a work in progress. These are, Villa are one of the teams who I thought with their signings, uh, they, they've sold Grealish and replaced him with three better players. I thought they'd be... Um, uh, uh, a challenging better, at starting better, certainly. I still think they'll be top six, top eight at the end of the season anyway. So this isn't a pushover for Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea will find uh, Villa um, a difficult uh, opponent. But you take Martinez out, his confidence, his shot-stopping, his coming for crosses, his understanding with um, Konza and Twanzebe, as it was last time out, or um, or uh, Tyrone Mings when, when he plays. And... If, if you disrupt that back three, it really does make a difference. So I can see Chelsea benefiting from that. Um, but Villa, they'll, they'll be there or thereabouts. But if they were to lose, it's two defeats in the opening four games. Yeah. And a lot of the preseason pizzazz has disappeared a little bit. So they've then got a very important run of games. Maybe, maybe Villa to sneak something here. But it would be, a, it, it's a big ass. Wow. If Maybe. they do, if they do sneak something, it's likely to come via Danny Ings, who's been involved mm. in eight goals in his last nine Premier League starts, six scored, two assists. So he's the form guy. I, I, yeah, I also kind of agree with Des there. Villa can't be counted, but Chelsea got to be red hot favourites for that one. Really, really. It's uh, Sunday half past midnight. That one kicks off. Chelsea fourth against Aston Villa in eleventh. Right, Sunday's uh, 11.30 game uh, is Leeds United in 15th, taking on fifth place Liverpool. Uh, Leeds United first, Craig Marias. Daniel James could be making his debut for his uh, new club. I mean, Leeds haven't really gone out and, and spent a lot of money in, in the transfer window, but, but then Bielsa very rarely does. He works, he works with the players he's got. Do you think... It's second season syndrome for Leeds. Because they, they, they've all. been struggling a little bit, haven't they? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, no doubt they're going to find it tough. I think there's, there's been a fair bit of money that has been spent by by teams in and around them. So, um, you know, if you're talking about you, you get a couple of injuries, you know, a couple of uh, uh, COVID uh, positive cases, and, you know, do they have the depth to, to kind of survive that? Um, you know, that remains to be seen. I think that Daniel James... Uh, signing is has been a long time coming. I mean, I think everyone knows that Bielsa has been a long time admirer of him. But it's interesting to see how and where he fits in. I mean, you look at the right hand side, you've got Rafinha, and you look at the left, you've got Jack Harrison, and, and those are the guys that are are more, you know, that, that have been playing over the last couple of seasons. They're, they're, they're very direct. Um, you know, they've, they've been in good form over the last year as well. So it'd be interesting to see how they, they use Dan James because, I mean, they spent a decent amount of money on him and you can't imagine them not trying to fit him in there. 
but in saying that, you know, it, you know, it could just be a tactical switch. You know, Rafinha can move into the middle. Dan James taking the wide position. I mean, there's a few things Bielsa could do. And um, do I think that Leeds will will suffer this season? I don't think so. I still think they'll be they'll be all right. I mean, let's not forget they really surpassed any expectation last season. You know, and uh, it would be a big ask for them to kind of probably achieve that again. But, you know, they'll comfortably stay in the Premier League this season. I, I, I don't have any doubts about that. Um, you know, Bielsa is, is a decent coach. He, he gets the job done. He, like you said, you know, he works with the talent that he has. He has a tactical system and, and he signs the players that fit into that. You know, they might not all be superstars, um, but as long as they play the way he wants them to play, it works. And um, I, I think this is a, this, this is a crap hero of a game. Yeah. Um, I, I think we saw last season as well, you know, it was really good game between the two. Uh, and I think this will be exactly the same, you know, it'll be a nice open game. Um, and I think someone like Des will definitely enjoy it uh, because there won't be much defending, I would think, you know, it'll be two <laughs> sides going going at it against each other. And um, yeah, sometimes it, it, it's, it's, it's great to see, I mean, especially when your team's not playing. Uh, Leeds are strong at Ellen Road. They're unbeaten in their last seven Premier League games at Ellen Road. Three wins, four draws. We mentioned earlier, Bob, that Liverpool could well be uh, weakened. I mean, Firmino, uh, the goalkeeper, Allison, um, or I mean, what? But what it means is Diego Jota will start, and and he's. He's a pretty good player, isn't he? You still got to favour Liverpool here. I mean, Liverpool should theoretically win this quite easily. Uh, well, they've, they'd be favourites uh, on paper, I think. But um, Leeds gave them a very good game in the opening game of last season, if you remember. And I think Liverpool will be slightly uh, uncomfortable about this, given what's happened to their Brazilian players. Um, I mean, there's an, uh, the big. I mean, there's a big gap there at the back. Allison missing, and Fabinho missing. I mean, uh, you know, your your keeper, your world class keeper and world class defensive midfielder, taken out of the team. Uh, you know, they've they've got replacements, yes, but Adrian is uh, always a bit questionable, isn't he, in goal? If it if it's him, in fact. Uh, I think Kelleher. It could be Kelleher. Yeah, I'm not sure who will get the nod, but Kelleher did did um, get uh, priority over Adrian uh, at some stage last season. But uh, so Liverpool, and they've been affected by injuries as well as uh, absentees. Um, you've got one or two knocks there and the squad is not that deep. And this is why Liverpool fans have been a little bit concerned about the lack of activity in the transfer market. They feel they're taking a risk again, especially with the front three. If you've got two of them injured at the same time, you know, you're going to be stretching resources a little bit. Uh, but Liverpool are prepared to take that risk. Uh, they've only spent 30 odd million on Konate. But given the, the recent rumours on the, on the rumour mill, not the transfer market, but it could be that they're saving money for a big splurge next year because there Jude is Bellingham talk of reading. Jude Bellingham. Yeah. yeah. And then you would consider Haaland as well. Yeah, yeah, 
because they could get Haaland at the whatever the release clause is. It's not going to be 200 million or anything. So it does, he does come within uh, Liverpool's uh, price range. So the fans would be uh, shut up uh, very suddenly if they suddenly landed either of those two players. So that could be the tactic. So we, you know, we can, we can but hope. Um, but on the other hand, you see, it does leave gaps for the likes of Harvey Elliott to come through. And wow, what yep. he, he took it, didn't he, with, yep. with both feet. I mean, he looks a hell of a player. And you look at the Manchester United situation, you've got Mes- Mason Greenwood, who is probably slightly more advanced than Harvey Elliott, and he's not going to get a game now, I don't think, except for the League Cup or something, with Ronaldo. But Liverpool have gone the other way, but it does open up uh, doors for the likes of Harvey Elliott and Curtis Jones. So this is what Klopp's about. He's, he's about improving young players, and there are openings there. You wouldn't be surprised to see both of those play in this game. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, all, all this, there's only time that, to get a prediction from a Liverpool fan. Uh, Des, do you agree with what Bob's saying? I mean, do, do, is it true that if you, you don't sign, you stall? If you're a big club, uh, I, I said I think in the in the preseason Liverpool got signings. They got Virgil Van Dijk fit. He missed all of last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. They they've got Harvey Elliott who, who they knew was coming in. Thiago Alcantara is a new signing. Effectively, he was effectively brought in as the Ronaldo replacement. The the, the talking point uh, at Liverpool is the lack of cover for the front three or the front four as is now. Because uh, uh, Divock Origi is there, Minamino is still there, but neither seem to be getting the opportunities uh, under Jurgen Klopp. But, uh, um, so Jurgen Klopp hasn't uh, gone uh, stamping his foot saying, I need more signing. In fact, he said exactly the opposite. He seems to be happy to work with young players. Okay, so I'm going to rush you for prediction then. Liverpool, <laughs> Liverpool, because they've got Big Verge at the back. He, he picked up a knock, don't forget, but he should be He's all fine, right. 100% fine. Okay, well, that's your lot. That's uh, Of course, there are other games going on. We'll talk about all the big games on, on Monday show. For now, I've got to say thanks to Craig. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks to Bob. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy the football. And Des, a pleasure as always. Amidst all the money, save grassrootsfooty.com. Save grassrootsfooty.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye. Follow BFM Football on Facebook and catch On The Ball next Friday on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.